Luke chapter number six, verse 45 in our Bibles tonight, or 46. We're in our series, The Parables of Christ, and I've certainly been enjoying these parables and studying them. And uh, this tonight is a parable that I think we've all heard probably, but definitely something that uh, is a great reminder. And as we dive a little bit deeper and understand what the parable means and what Jesus is uh, trying to convey here. And I was talking about Easter earlier. I wanted to mention that on uh, Sunday nights at 5.15, we have choir practice, not only for the adults, but for the little little guys and, and from three years old up to sixth grade. And so if you have a young person, you want to be in the Easter, I guess you could call it like a pageant, an Easter uh, 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 musical there, if you want to put your kid in that. Not like a musical like Cats. That's not what I mean, but if you want your if you want your children to be in that, bring them here at five fifteen. And my wife's doing a great job teaching that. You'll, they'll be they're learning music, they're learning music notes, they're learning how to beat the time, they're losing they're 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 learning all those things. And so, if you want your kids to be in that in Easter, put them in that, and they'll will be able to sing in that. All right. So Luke chapter number six. Look at verse forty six with me, and we see here Jesus says, "And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" Let's pray and go home right there. Amen. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat, did beat vehemently, and immediately it what? It fell. And the ruin of that house was great. If you're like me, you grew up singing, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Sing it. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains. Do the actions. Come on. You need to get warm anyway. The rains came down and the floods came. Wow, you sound great. Rains came down and the floods came. I hear harmony. The rains came down and the floods came up and the wise man stood firm. We all learned it differently. Now we got to do the foolish man, right? Brother, ask brother, how does this go? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Sing it. And the rains came down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went. That's my favorite part. So build your life on the Lord Jesus. Amen. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sings will come. That's a great song. That's a great song. Brother Asprelli was telling me, he goes, when I was a kid, he goes, I was singing this song at church one day. This is a true story. And he said he was singing it wrong on purpose. Can you imagine Brother Asprelli singing it on purpose? 
And his mother took him out and spanked him. But anyway, all right. <laughs> Amen. If you know Mrs. Asperl, you know that's a true story. <laughs> now that we're adults, and now that we, well, most of us, um, what was Jesus trying to teach here? What was he trying to teach these disciples? He's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So what is he trying to convey? What does the wise man and the foolish man, what, is this, what does this mean? Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight with this message. Help us to take home something that we can use this week. Holy Spirit, move in the room tonight. Many people are here watching online in the overflow. Help us to maintain our attention, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I was studying this parable, I was thinking about the truths that I believe Jesus is trying to teach here. And I know there's probably many, many applications you could draw from this passage of Scripture. There's few that really spoke to me and jumped out to me. The first truth that drew my attention was in verse 48. It says here, Jesus says, He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. I see, first of all, if you're taking notes tonight, we see the unseen foundation of the believer. The unseen foundation of the believer. A foundation is not typically something that you see. The foundation is something that's built below the baseline. It's built low. It's built in the ground. You don't necessarily see it, but it is vital. It is important. There's a reason why the word foundation is used so much in our modern English. Whenever we describe something important, maybe perhaps something in business or something in marriage or something in our church, in our church we will use the phrase, those are the foundations. There is a foundation of the church. It's the Bible. Amen? Amen. Doctrine is our foundation. And we can, if we say, well, we want to get back to the foundation. We want to get back to the, the basics. We're talking about the foundation of doctrine. We could talk about the foundations of marriage. It could be a commitment or covenant love. And those are the foundations of a marriage saying, yes, ma'am, whatever you want. Those are the foundations. Okay. All right. Moving on. We see the foundations of business. This is, could be described as integrity or honesty or customer service. There's foundations of freedom. We could describe that as freedom of speech. Lord, help us. We have need freedom of speech. The Second Amendment. Amen to that. The right to vote. These are the foundations of freedom. A right to a legal vote that's not rigged. But anyway, moving on here. Anything that is lasting. I'm just teasing. Relax. I'm just joking. Sort of. Anything that's lasting, anything that's important will have a foundation. Must have a foundation. The Christian life is no exception. There must be foundations in our Christian life. So letter A, first of all, let's realize tonight that there are unequal foundations. There are unequal foundations. Not all foundations are the same. When I was a young man, I, I set tile for a little bit of time, set flooring, and I got a call, and one of my jobs was to go out and to fix problems that, that happened. People didn't do their job right. And so I went to this particular job, and it was a track house, and they had set the floor in this, this large home, and I think it was over here in Lathrop, and I went there, and, and, uh, and it was only like a month after the house was completed, the tile was starting to, to loosen in places in the house. And so it was our tile company that, that set the floor, and so we were responsible. And so I went to the house, and I'm walking around, and I could feel something odd about the floor. There was something not quite right 
about this floor. And I began to investigate and I saw cracking here and cracking there and tiles coming up here and there. And so I took a chisel and I took a hammer and I went over one section of the floor and I kind of popped up one of those tiles and it didn't take very much to get it up. And so I got that tile up and what the tile setter had done, and if you've ever set tile, you know what this means. They took a, they took a little trial and they put probably a quarter size thin set on the four corners and set it down on the ground. That's not how you're supposed to lay tile. Four corners. There's a little, little dot, dad, about that big on each corner. They set it on the ground and then they grouted it in. I don't know why they did that. That was a, that's not the way you're supposed to do that. But that entire floor was destroyed. I mean, it was, it was a complete loss. The foundation wasn't laid correctly. The, the baseline, the, 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 we call it thin set, that, that nice even bed of mortar, nice and wet, that bed of mortar has to be laid and the tile has to be squeezed down in there, pushed down in there. And so it adheres to the floor properly. And so may I just say that some foundations are not, are not set properly. They're not laid properly. Jesus said this, he said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Sometimes there's a disconnect between what Christ teaches and what people who call themselves Christians do. There's a disconnect. Sometimes we get mad at what's being preached. There's a disconnect there. The foundation isn't what it's supposed to be. Sometimes folks get offended by the word of God. They don't like what the Bible says, so they say things like, well, I don't think it means that. Be careful when you say things like that. Amen. What does it mean then? Well, I don't think that that means it that way. Uh, be careful because sometimes we have a disconnect and what we're doing is we're straying away from the foundation that we've been given. Amen. By the way, if a pastor preaches and he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God and he's walking with the Lord or a youth pastor talks to you about something, he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God and is walking with the Lord, be careful when they give you a Bible verse not to say, well, I don't think that it means that. Be careful about that. That's all I want to say there. We just got to be careful about those things. There are consequences when we step away from the foundation. And all God's people said, I said, there are consequences. There are consequences. That, that, that floor cost us thousands and thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Just because somebody didn't lay the foundation properly. They got away from the foundation. We all recognize the name, the leaning tower of Pisa. Scientists have been measuring this tower for centuries, trying to predict when it might fall. They report that the 179-foot tower moves 1 20th of an inch every year. Right now, it's about 17 feet out of plumb. Scientists predicted that it would fall in 2007, but it's still standing. Eventually, though, the 810-year-old the tower will lean too far, and someday it will fall. Here's what I didn't know. The word Pisa, P-I-S-A, this is what it means, marshy land. When they built the Leaning Tower of Pisa, they built it on a land that was not a good foundation. And that's why it's going to fall someday. There's a reason why some people follow Christ their entire life and why some people don't. It comes down to the what? The foundation. The foundation. I notice here that there is an unshakable foundation, letter B. There is an unshakable foundation. I noticed that this man, he digged deep. He went deep into that foundation. He got down past the surface a layer. He got down past the hard pan. He got down past the soft clay of the ground. And he found a place where he could attach that foundation to a rock. Can I say tonight that digging is hard? Anybody here ever dug a hole? I don't know how many holes we've dug 
to bury the bodies out here. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how many holes we've dug out here on this property to put, you know, this line in and put that line in and do this and then do that. Digging is, is hard work. It doesn't, it's not an easy thing to do, digging. But this man, he did the hard thing. He did the hard thing to get down to the foundation. Can I say this? Listen, church family, please listen. Listen, the Christian life is a wonderful life. It's the best life you can live. Follow the word of God. Listen, don't, don't lose me here. Follow the word of God in your life. I promise. The Bible promises it's the best way to go. But it's not always the easiest life. Sometimes there's some digging that needs to be done. Sometimes you got to dig in. Say, I'm not moving. Not moving on this. Sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. You got to dig deeper. If you've ever dug anything, you realize that it's not easy to do. I was reading about a recently unemployed man named Wayne Sabage from Illinois. As he was in his backyard, he discovered $150,000 of cash stashed in a dirty, dirty nylon bag in his backyard. How did this happen? In August 2011, Wayne was picking broccoli in his back garden, backyard garden, and he noticed a black nylon bag sticking up from under the ground. Wayne didn't wait long to call the police when he discovered that there was $150,000 cash stashed in his backyard. Shortly afterwards, he found out that his neighbor had dug a hole in his backyard and stashed it because he thought the money was cursed. Can I just say this? You're not going to always find $150,000 when you dig. Doesn't always doesn't always work that way. But there are some things that we must dig down for. The first thing and the foremost thing is salvation salvation. Philippians chapter number two, verse 12, wherefore my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure, do all things without murmuring or disputing. It's not that we work for salvation. That's not what Paul is trying to convey here. We don't make, we don't work for our salvation, but we work to make sure that we are saved. We want to make sure that we're saved. Sometimes people will be kind of flippant about their salvation. I've talked to people before. I remember one time I've shared this story before, but I just love it so much. I was at the, I was on the bus route one day. There was a guy sitting in his car. And I walked up and I, and I handed the guy a track and I said, hey, you know, I want to invite you to church. And, and we began to talk. And I said, have you ever, I said, I said, you know, for sure heaven's your home. And he goes, man, he goes, I've already been to heaven. I said, I got to hear this, man. So he began to tell me when he was a kid, he ate some poisonous berries and he died. And, and when he died, he ate those poisonous berries. He went to heaven and he saw heaven. And I said, man, what is heaven like? He said, the sky is filled with kites. I said, what kind of kites? He goes, Mexican kites. <laughs> so, you know, listen, that's a funny story, but the truth is that guy is as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. All I'm saying is you, you got to be careful about your salvation. It's, you, you don't want to just think that you're saved. You don't want to just kind of assume that you're saved. You don't, you don't want to just play around with this thing of salvation. You want to know that you know that you know you have the foundation of salvation in your life. Amen. Well, I hope I'm saved. I, I hope that it was good enough. I hope that my family's history, I hope that because I go to church, all those things are wonderful and we ought to do those things, but none of those things have anything to do with salvation. Amen. Work out your salvation. In other words, make sure that the foundation of your salvation is sure. 
It's based on Jesus Christ, his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So make sure tonight of your salvation. By the way, we ought to dig down for our salvation. We, ought, ought to dig, we also ought to dig down for our walk with God, Amen. our walk with him. You know, it takes work to walk with the Lord. It takes some digging. You want to wake up late in the morning. You want to just watch uh, the news and you just want to watch TV and you just want to do all these things. Our flesh desires all those things. It takes a little bit of digging to walk with the Lord, but it's worth it. It's worth it. We ought to have a, a foundation of salvation, a foundation in our walk with God and, and dig deep in those things. By the way, it takes some digging to maintain joy in trials. It takes digging to be able to encourage others as we go through trials. The Christian life takes digging deep. It takes a foundation. Maybe you're here tonight, and I don't know what you're going through in your life, but maybe you're here tonight and you've been thinking about giving up. You've just been thinking about giving up. It's too hard. It's too hard. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't give up. Don't give up. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. Don't give up. Dig deeper. Oh, man, if you're discouraged tonight, listen, don't give up. Dig deeper to the foundation. Oh, if you want to quit on God tonight, listen, don't give up. Don't quit. Dig deeper in your life. Find that foundation. Find that rock in your life tonight. Can I just say this, that Christ is there. The rock is there. Maybe tonight we need to dig a little deeper in the word of God. Maybe tonight we need to dig a little deeper in our prayer life. Maybe tonight we need to dig a little deeper in our worship. Maybe tonight we need to dig a little deeper in our holiness. Maybe tonight we need to dig a little deeper in our service. But let's get down to the foundation. We see the unseen foundation of the believer. But secondly, tonight, we see the unseen forces that bolster. In our life and in your life, it says here in the verse that when the floods arose, when the flood arose, the steam, the stream beat vehemently upon that house. Can I just say that tonight, life is full of unseen forces. Storms that come into our life. Can I say that tonight teenagers experience storms? Young adults experience storms. People with young children experience storms. Empty nesters experience storms. Retired people experience, we all experience storms. The man with the good foundation experienced the same storm that the man with the faulty foundation experienced. We all experience storms. These unseen forces, they bolster up in our life. Storms of life that come that are unforeseen, that we cannot calculate, we cannot imagine, and they come into our life, and what happens? Let's go to James chapter number 1 in our Bibles. James chapter number 1. Look at verse 1 with me of James. Chapter number 1. James is a servant of God, it says here, in the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren, count it all what, church? Joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith, what? Worketh patience. It worketh patience. It worketh something. It's doing something. But let patience have her perfect work that she might be entire, wanting nothing. The trying of our faith, it worketh. That word worketh means it accomplishes something. It performs something. It finishes something. And as those storms come, and as those unforeseen things happen in our life, they work our faith. They galvanize our faith. 
these unforeseen storms that blow in unannounced. <laughs> There's no warning. They shake our foundation. They shake us. We don't see it coming and it shakes us. But boy, when that foundation goes deep, let the winds blow. As the storms howl around us, our foundation holds. As we struggle through trials, our foundation is what helps us remain. Job said this, after the unforeseen forces that came into his life, but he knoweth the way that I take. When, I am, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. A few nights ago here in Manteca, we had a very strong storm. How do you remember that storm? Oh, it was crazy. It was just crazy. Just blew in through town like nobody's business, man. It was crazy. And stuff was out here on the property. We were out here on the property, and I was watching stuff fly away. I'm waiting for these, uh, you know, uh, these, these kids things out here just to fly away, you know. All this stuff is happening. We were driving down Airport Road, and just stuff is just flying across the freeway. After that storm, if you notice this, after that storm, you drove around town, what did we see? Trees falling over, fences falling over, roofs missing, shingles are gone. All these things happened because, yeah, happened because of the storm, because of the storm. Over here on, uh, on uh, French Camp Road and Airport, uh, Oasis Market over here. You have great burritos, by the way. Oasis Market. And I'm so hungry right now. I'm about ready to eat three burritos. But I saw, I saw that the, they had two or three really nice, palm, beautiful palm trees snapped right in half. Beautiful palm trees. And then I got worried. I'm like, man, are the palm trees of the church broken? Thank the Lord they didn't break. But do you know what happens during the storm? Storms reveal the integrity of things. They reveal what's going on under the surface. Someone might ask, what does it mean to have a solid foundation in Christ? If you don't have a solid foundation in Christ, the storm will break you. But if you have a solid foundation in Christ, you can weather the storm. I see here, what, what is the solid foundation of Christ? Maybe the better question to ask is this. When a storm comes into my life, what do I do? When a storm comes into my life, do I have a meltdown? Do I run to an addiction? Do I go to another person for comfort? Do I find some other sort of dependency? What do I do in the storm? Think about this tonight. I want to ask a question. Does the house hold on to the foundation or does the foundation hold on to the house? Can I just say this tonight? I just I got really excited when I thought about this. The foundation is what holds on to the house. It's not about how good you can hold on to Christ. It's how good of a hold he's got on you. And let me just tell you something tonight. Let me encourage you for just a moment. You're going to go through storms and you're going to go through trials. You might be going through one right now. But when Jesus Christ has a grip on you, he's not letting you go. He's not letting you go. And he's not going anywhere. He's your foundation. He's got a hold on you. It's not about how good you can hold on to him. You couldn't hold on to Christ with, with all the might that you have in the world. It's not about your strength anymore. It's about his strength. Amen. He's got a hold on you. He is our foundation. The foundation is what holds on to the house. Because a house without a foundation falls. He is our foundation. When the storms, the storms shake us, we'll hold. It's not about how good we have a hold on him, but it's how good he's got a hold on us. If you have Christ in your life tonight, he isn't letting go. Did you miss what I just said? If you have Christ in your life tonight, he isn't going to let you go. You might be going through the most difficult valley of your life. Christ won't let you go. He's got you. He's your foundation. 
Anybody here can raise your hand tonight and honestly say that Christ has ever failed you? Once in a while, when a house foundation is poured, it's not done correctly and it'll crack. When a foundation cracks, we say that the foundation has failed. It has failed. I love that song. Jesus never fails. So tonight, does Christ have a hold on you when the unseen forces bolster? So we see tonight the unseen foundation of the believer, those unseen forces that bolster. And then lastly, tonight, don't laugh. This is a California point right here. We see the unfortunate fate of the bogus. Amen. The unfortunate fate of the bogus. Look at what happens in verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not, Jesus says, is like a man without a foundation, built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently and immediately, not after an hour, not after 24 hours, immediately it fell. There was no chance. There was no foundation. And then there's a phrase here that hits me hard every time I read it. And the ruin of that house is great. It's great. Hurricane Katrina was an extremely destructive storm that caused 1,800 deaths along the U.S. Gulf Coast in 2005. It was one of the worst disasters in U.S. history. Katrina caused over $170 billion in damage. To date, uh, almost said Karina, Brother Linder, Karina. It's cost you a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just teasing. She probably saves you money, amen? Hurricane Katrina remains the costliest hurricane in U.S. history. When Katrina hit the city of New Orleans, it was only at a Category 3. The cities were... Uh, actually, the reason why it flooded was because of some outdated levees that crumbled, and it flooded 80%. Think about that. 80% of the city was flooded. In addition to over 175, listen to that, 175 mile an hour winds, there were 30 foot swells on the Mississippi coast. As 90,000 square miles of Florida and eastern Texas were plummeted with over 33 different tornadoes. Both the disaster, but the disaster of Katrina wasn't attributed necessarily just to the strength of the storm. More than six months after Katrina hit, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers released a report in which they took blame for the levees that broke. Flat out, they admitted that the levees were built in a disjointed fashion on outdated data. Much of this, the report revealed, was due to a lack of funding, resulting in a flawed system of the levees that was inconsistent with quality materials and design. Engineers also failed to account for the region's poor soil quality and the sinking land, which created more gaps in the barriers. In other words, the levees were bogus. They weren't real. They were there, but as soon as the floodwaters came, they were not there. They were bogus. Jesus says that a person that lives their life this way The house of that is great loss, great tragedy, great ruin. There is great ruin ahead for the hypocritical life. I want to give you two dangers tonight, and I'll close. Two dangers of a bogus life. We see letter A here, the danger of a bogus salvation. The danger of a bogus salvation. Look, I can't believe I'm actually using that word in a point of my sermon, but look at Luke chapter number 6, verse 45. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Don't say that there's no point to that. 
There's no point to it. Don't say that you're saved if you've never been saved. Don't say that you're going to heaven if you've never trusted Christ. Don't live a bogus life of uh, saying that you're saved and you're not saved. There's a serious danger there. I want to look at a parallel passage of Scripture. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Let's see the Scripture they're at. The house of the foolish man and the wise man. Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come unto you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves, and ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? But then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's a dangerous thing to pretend to be saved. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. I'm not assuming that anyone here is. I'm not assuming that. I'm just simply saying, pointing out a fact that there is a danger to living a hypocritical life. There will come a time where you will stand before God and you will not be able to fool God. God is not fooled now. So I just want to throw out a plea tonight. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching at home or you watch this later online or you're in the room or in the overflow or anyone else that hears this message tonight, listen to me carefully. Trust Christ today for real. Don't have a bogus salvation testimony. There's a danger there. There's a danger there. We also see also the danger of a bogus service. The danger of a bogus service. For those of us that are saved, you can live a hypocritical Christian life. And all God's people said, you can be a hypocrite and be a Christian. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11 says this, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. By the way, there's no other foundation than Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if any man build thereon gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he build thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. Listen tonight, if you're a Christian, don't live your life bogusly serving the Lord. Amen. I don't know if bogusly is a word. If it is, isn't, I, we just decide that it is. Amen. But don't live your life pretending to serve the Lord. You don't want to get to heaven someday, Brother Oranias, and have a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble that burns up. Serve the Lord in sincerity. Serve the Lord with your heart or your whole heart. Don't have a bunch of fake things going on in your life. Don't have a bunch of fake things going on in the background. Serve the Lord with your life in sincerity and in truth. Serve God. Serve God. Whoever you are in front of people, be the same person in the back, the back of the, the story. Amen? Behind the scenes, the Lord knows when we're fake. If you're like me and you're a human being, I've done things before that I didn't do with the right intentions. Sure, 
I've done things in my life I'm not proud of. I wish I could go back and change it. We all have. But from tonight forward, let's try our hardest to live a sincere Christian life. Don't be caught up in this bogus, this, this fake Christianity. Don't get caught up in that. I didn't use the illustration in my sermon, but I remember the illustration somewhat. There was a, there was a very uh, popular televangelist. I won't mention his name. Very rich televangelist. And uh, he's so rich. In fact, he owns not one, not two, but three jets. I know I'm working for the wrong denomination. That's all I know. So, no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> this is what strikes me about the Jets. Uh, he has a picture of himself standing next in his office. And in his office, he has a picture of the three Jets. I don't know why. But he has a sign over the Jets in his office now. You can look it up if you want to. It says, it's not about possessions. It's about priorities. <laughs> I said all that to say this. Let's not be fake. Let's serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. There's a danger to living that bogus life. Someday, if you live a bogus life, it'll all burn up. And that, that time, that judgment time, when we see Jesus Christ someday, it will reveal. I love that song, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. There's another song that I love too. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. He's the only one. This rock is Jesus. He's the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Let's pray tonight. Father.